We're back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome again to the podcast. Podcast is Tanner Talks about stuff that happened. Now you notice this intro is a little bit different than a lot of the episodes I've been doing recently. I'm kind of back to that emergency update format, not doing the big in not doing the big exciting intro, the hook, the uh the fun music, the rock music, you know, anything like that. We're just going to launch right into this because this is an emergency update because there's there's some stuff we got to cover while it's still fresh, while people are still, uh, you know, taking an interest in what's going on here because uh, it's important to get all the facts out there while people are still, uh, before we move on to, you know, whatever the next thing is. So I'm talking today about uh, the Wagner Rebellion um, that just happened in Russia over the last couple, uh, last you know, 48 hours or so. Um, it's pretty crazy that that just, you know, out, almost out of the blue. Well, if you weren't paying attention, it feels out of the blue, but it wasn't really out of the blue. This has been coming for a minute. Um, but I want to talk about that because how it has resolved has raised a lot of questions about what's going on over there uh, on the Russian side of the Russia-Ukrainian war right now. So today we're going to talk about the uh, Wagner Rebellion and, and, and discuss what it means, how we got there, uh, what Wagner is, uh, for people who aren't quite sure what really what that is. Um, we're going to talk about all that. So before we start, remember, if you enjoy the podcast, please head over to Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, drop me a five-star review. Let me know that you enjoy the podcast, gets more people involved, it helps the algorithms show people more of the podcast and get more people involved in these conversations, help me get some more listens, some more, uh, some more of a following. It'd be really great for, for you to help me out. Um, so, okay. So let, let's just, let's just start off right here. So let's get down to like the brass bait, the brass tacks, like just the basics, just like what has happened over the last 24 hours. So, uh, the Wagner private military company was managing a lot of the central front in the Russian Ukrainian war. They've been doing that for a while, particularly around the battle of for Bakhmut, which has been one of the bloodiest, most violent battles of the war. And on Friday, which was June, uh, 24th, uh, 23rd. So, well, Friday, uh, June 24th, uh, June 23rd, Russian, uh, June 24th, sorry, Saturday, June 24th, early in the morning, Saturday, uh, June 24th, Russia time, which was Friday over in the United States, um, the Wagner Real military company, uh, initiated a rebellion against the Russian, um, against the Russian Federation. And in that they abandoned their post, they captured some, uh, they captured some prominent Russian areas, they fought, they were going toe to toe with Russian regulars, they were shooting down Russian planes, um, and their goal was to overthrow Vladimir Putin. Um, so that's what, that's what happened there. The, the coup is over. It is no longer taking place. But that's a really short turnaround. For a coup to just be up and down that quickly, it, that, rarely are things that cut and dry and it didn't end with it didn't end with any of the leaders getting deposed it didn't end with any anyone uh, with any of the main characters getting snuffed out in fact everyone all the main characters involved are still alive and in fact they came to an agreement which is why this is so interesting so let's just start off right here first of all um, i'm going to answer some of the some of the main questions surrounding this so who is um who is wagner uh you might have heard it's wagner um, Wagner is kind of how you pronounce it over in the, how the, how the Slavs pronounce it. But in, in the United States, we kind of refer to it as the Wagner military company. So Wagner is a private military company with foggy origins, which first appeared around 2014 when Russia annexed Crimea. Um, and it's claimed to have been founded by their current owner, which is Yevgeny Prigozhin. So what's a private military company? 
Well, the private military company is an independent standing army that is not beholden to any nation or state, but instead is, in, is made up of mercenaries who accept payment in return for military operations wherever they are sent. These are also often called security companies, um, but they're more large scale than that. And they're kind of beholden to their CEO to tell them where to go rather than uh, beholden to a president. So there are a number of private military companies, which are PMCs around the world. I mean, France, there's GEOS in Germany, there's Asgard, STTEP registered in Gibraltar, Defion International in Peru, Russia Alona, several, the ENOT Corps, Patriot, uh, Red, Redute, Slavonic Corps, and of course, Wagner. The US and the UK have their fair share of PMCs, notably the infamous organization of Blackwater, which is now known as Academy. So Wagner units have been spotted participating in conflicts in Syria, Sudan, the Central African Republic, Madagascar, Libya, Venezuela, Mozambique, and Mali with unconfirmed reports of activities in a number of other nations. So Wagner is, I mean, in terms of what they're trying to do, which is make money off of conflict, they seem to be pretty successful here. And I mean, their business just got blown out of the water when, when the war in, when the war in Ukraine started. So Wagner has been present in Ukraine, like I said, since 2014, which is around the time when they started. And they've been training and arming these Russian-backed separatists in the Donetsk and Lugansk regions since the outbreak of the Ukrainian Civil War. Remember, the war in Ukraine, it, one of the main reasons it's happening is because Russia wants to... Well, I mean, they have annexed now uh, the Donetsk and Lugansk republics, which were breakaway republics, which claimed to be... Uh, they, I mean, they were pro-Russia. They claimed to be ethnically Russian. They wanted to be part of Russia. And so they broke away from Ukraine. That's how the Civil War started. It's one of the main reasons why this, this Russian invasion started. So Wagner has been there for a while. And when Russia formally invaded Ukraine in February of 2022, Wagner units were hired in the region to keep stability in the Donbass and Lugansk regions. And there are locals who say that they were kind of used to snuff out dissidents and anti-Russian sentiment. They kind of were doing the dirty work for the Russian regulars. So the Russian government could keep their hands clean and, and uh, these mercenaries could do the dirty work. So Wagner units were reportedly on the front lines in several early engagements of the war, such as the battles of Papajna, uh, Severodonetsk, uh, Lizichansk, uh, all of which resulted in Russian victories. And at this point, R Wagner was only employing a few thousand soldiers. They were still kind of a smaller scale private military company, and they were just providing support for the Russian military. However, in July of 2022, this changed and escalated when Putin, uh, Vladimir Putin, you know, obviously it's a Putin I'm talking about, he granted Prigozhin the ability to recruit convicted felons from Russian prisons. And the deal was this. Wagner would go to these Russian prisons and say, okay, if you come serve with Wagner on the front lines of Ukraine for six months, the Russian government will grant you amnesty for your past crimes when you go back to Russia that, and they'll give them a couple handfuls of money. Um, and so faced with either dying triumphantly on the battlefield or getting off scot-free from their crimes or rotting away in a prison cell, many convicts jumped at the opportunity. So by December of 2022, Wagner's ranks had swelled from like three or 4,000 to over 50,000 fighters on the front with Ukraine. And with this many fighters, Wagner became a, like the, I mean, a leading organization in the war with Ukraine. A lot of people have speculated that Prigozhin, who again is the owner of Wagner, he kind of became like a general in the Russian military. And uh, Wagner became central in 
the battle for Bakhmut. By October, much of the fighting around the Ukrainian city of Bakhmut was being carried out by Wagner units on the Russian side. Um, I've been watching a lot of analysis over the last year or so uh, from a couple of my favorite YouTubers, and it, it is confirmed that many of the units who are fighting around Bakhmut on the Russian side are almost entirely comprised of, of Wagner fighters and not very many Russian, not very many like Russian regulars on that side. It's almost all Wagner mercenaries. And so it's reported here that Wagner units are, they were being sent. I mean, they, I think they are still being sent, but they, at this point, they were being sent into Bakhmut in kind of a human wave strategy, which is what kind of what the Soviets did in uh, World War II, um, because they would just send people in and they could see where they were getting gunned down from. And so they would draw out Ukrainian units for the Russian regulars to actually take down. And this resulted in an extremely high casualty rate for Wagner units. I mean, 90% of the people who were dying from the Wagner, from, from, from the, uh, from the Wagner lines were mercenaries and Wagner units in Bakhmut now have an estimated 50% casualty rate. So 50% of everyone who, of all Wagner units who are going to the front lines either die or come back with some sort of wound. And that's on par with casualty figures from like the bloodiest battles of World War One. We're talking Verdun, we're talking Tannenberg, we're talking, uh, I mean, the Somme, um, Gallipoli. It's on par with the the amount of people who are dying in those fierce, terrifying battles. Which and, and that's what Bakhmut is starting to look like. If you've seen pictures of it, I recommend you look look at pictures of what Bakhmut looks like right now, as opposed to what it looked like before the war. It's it's like really hard to believe. It looks like Stalingrad. Um, so like I said, Bakhmut has been seeing the fiercest fighting of the war, but, and because of that, it's highly speculated that Wagner is now not only in control of just personnel, but they also have trucks, they have tanks, they have aircraft, they have artillery. They've got all kinds of really fancy new toys that the Russian military has provided them with so that they can continue to gain ground in Bakhmut, which they have been doing for the last nine months or so. I mean, just a couple, just maybe a month and a half ago, uh, it was reported that Russia had captured essentially all of the city of Bakhmut, which was, that was like the prized trophy between both sides, which, I mean, it doesn't have a lot of strategic value, but it kind of became this, like, this seat of contention where Russia and Ukraine both wanted to desperately to hold on to the city for whatever reason. Um, okay, so, but where did... Prigozhin and Putin become at odds. If they were both, I mean, Putin's giving Prigozhin all this money. You know, he's Prigozhin's getting what he started this company for. He's getting, I mean, way more than he ever, way more than he ever wanted from his company. Uh, but why did they become at odds if Prigozhin was fighting for Putin? So, I mean, he's doing what Putin wants him to do. He's getting a bunch of money for it. Why did they become at odds? So, on May fifth, twenty twenty three. Prigozhin released a video, it was a nighttime video, and he's standing in a field, obviously very angry, and he's in front of a field of dead bodies, and they are all Wagner units, um, and, we're, and we're talking, there's hundreds of these bodies, like, a lot of them, and... Uh, this video is on YouTube and it is censored, so you don't see all the bodies. Um, I did watch the uncensored version, uh, pretty harrowing, um, but 
this video is on YouTube if you're curious about it. It was released on May 5th, 2023. Feel free to take a look. Um, there, there are translations for it. And in this video, he's condemning Putin for sending thousands of his men into the meat grinder. He accuses Putin of giving Wagner units no ammunition, and, and he accuses them of using them. Uh, he accuses Putin and the rest of the Russian military as using Wagner units as bait, leading to thousands and even tens of thousands of excess deaths. Now, we don't have exact numbers for how many Wagner units have died uh, in, in the war. It's estimated that, that we, we can confirm that there are about 6,700 who have who confirmed Wagner deaths in the war. It's estimated that there's now, there, there are probably more than 9,000 or so. Um, but shortly after that, we're talking in the next couple of days after that, uh, Prigozhin threatens to pull Wagner out of Bakhmut completely off the front line, which is the place where they have been fighting for months and I mean, they, they nearly captured the entire city. And at this point, Prigozhin threatens to Putin. He says, I'm going to pull my guys out because this is not working. And too many of my guys are dying here. So in the days following that threat, the Ukrainian army launches a counteroffensive in the region and they begin gaining more ground in Bakhmut, which proves that Prigozhin may have actually been true to his word here. He might have started pulling his troops back. Um, and, and Ukraine starts gaining ground in the region. And then on June 23rd, so this is just a few days before this episode is getting released, um, Prigozhin releases another video in front of a group of his units accusing Putin of lying to the Russian people about the reasons behind the invasion of Ukraine and accusing the Russian defense secretary of downplaying Russian casualties by a significant margin. Hours later, a Wagner position is bombed by a Russian airstrike. Just directly bombed. And it's unclear if this was intentional or not. There's been not really any word from the Russian military. I, I think they might have insinuated that it was an accident, that it was an accidental friendly fire. Um, but Prigozhin is not happy about this. To me, this looks like the straw that breaks the camel's back. And the next day... Early the next morning, June 24th, 2023, uh, Prigozhin pulls Wagner from the front lines and orders them to depose Putin and capture a number of strategic positions in Russia. Doing everything except formally saying it, Prigozhin declares war on Putin. So what happens then? The initial things that happen in the first opening hours of this is that Wagner units, uh, they abandon their posts at the front. They capture a city called Rostov uh, near the Russian border with Ukraine, and they take control of that command center. And that city is the center of command for the entire southern front of the Russian offensive in Ukraine. And now Wagner's in control of that, which is pretty wild. I mean, pretty smart on, uh, on Prigozhin's part. After they capture Rostov, uh, Wagner units start heading toward Moscow. Like, they're, they go for the throat right off the bat. Um, there's video of Wagner tanks rolling through streets. There's video of columns of Wagner soldiers in trucks uh, on the highways that are heading toward Moscow. And at this point, um, the Russian military starts bombing their own roads. They start using... Uh, they start using construction equipment to start tearing up roads so that uh, Wagner units can't get through. They start blockading roads. Um, there's pictures and videos of dump trucks that are back-to-back -back just on giant highways blocking them. 
um, you know, crazy stuff like that starts happening here uh, right off the bat. And there are reports of Wagner units and Russian regulars reported there's gunfire in the streets of some prominent cities in uh, Western Russia, uh, specifically Southwestern Russia, like Rostov and places like that where Wagner units are clashing with Russian regulars. There are videos of Russian regulars that pledge their allegiance to Wagner, which I'm sure is terrifying for the uh, Russian leadership because I mean, obviously things aren't going well on the front anyway. There are at least five Russian aircraft that are shot down by Wagner units as they start carrying out airstrikes against soldiers that they were fighting side by side with only a day earlier. Putin releases a video which label which labels the Wagner rebellion a stab in the back. He calls Prigozhin and those participating in the rebellion guilty of treason. So uh, the leader of the nation officially recognizes these people as national criminals. And Prigozhin responds to this by saying, Putin has made, uh, this is a quote, Putin has made the wrong choice. We will soon have a new president. So this goes from zero to a hundred really quick, really, really quick. Um, I mean, I was up for a lot of the night watching videos that were coming out of Wagner units getting, I mean, they were like embraced in the streets of Rostov. There were a lot of Russian people who are, they're hugging them, they're chanting Wagner, Wagner, and they're taking pictures with them. Um, really crazy stuff to see. So then this really weird thing happens that I did not expect. So very suddenly... Less than 24 hours after this thing starts, Prigozhin suddenly calls off his forces and tells them to return to their field camps. Just suddenly out of the blue. And apparently, he had been in contact with Belarusian President Lukashenko and Vladimir Putin. And they'd come to some sort of agreement. So... Wagner units turn away from Moscow. They go back to their field camps. They start leaving Rostov. Um, and there's a lot of reports of Wagner units who are actually pretty upset about this, which I can understand why. It was probably a really exciting thing to happen after they'd been getting mowed down by Ukrainian machine guns. It was probably, it's probably kind of a reprieve to be turning on the people who kept sending them into, you know, the gates of hell over and over and over again as human bait. So... Uh, there are Wagner units who are not happy about this and they want to keep marching on Moscow, um, but they don't, as far as I can tell. So, so what happens next? What was in this plea deal? Uh, we don't know what was exactly in the plea deal, but what we do know is that Prigozhin agrees with Putin that he is going to now move to Belarus. Up until this point, from what we can tell, Prigozhin was on the front lines with the Wagner units. Maybe not like exactly on the front, but he was in direct command of them. And Prigozhin, in this plea deal, agrees to go to Belarus. And the next we hear from uh, Russian, the Kremlin basically, is that they have no idea where Prigozhin went. And that's the last we hear about Prigozhin. There is some footage of him leaving uh, the city of Rostov. Kind of waving to people. People are taking pictures of him, waving at him, cheering him on. Then uh, he leaves and disappears. And there is no word yet on where he is. Which is 
really weird. Now it gets a little bit weirder. In the in the minutes leading up to the order, uh, well, I guess in the minutes following the order of from Prigozhin to for the Wagner units to return to their field camps, Putin releases a statement that all Wagner units will be cleared of the the crimes that have that they've been accused of since the rebellion started. So these people were actively trying to undermine the Russian state, including Prigozhin, and Putin says, you know what, never mind, you guys are good, no stress, all is good, water under the bridge, which is very unlike Putin to do that. I honestly would have thought that he would have been, like, lining these people up against walls and gunning them down in the streets. Like, that was what I imagine Putin would probably do after this kind of betrayal. Then it gets even weirder when the U.S. intelligence, uh, when U.S. intelligence releases a report that they knew several days ago that this attack was coming from Wagner, but they didn't explain how they knew that. They only explained that, yes, that, that the day before the attack, several prominent leaders in the United States were briefed that the attack was probably coming, which is really suspicious, honestly. So that's the story of the rebellion. That's what happened. As of right now, I'm not getting fr from the uh, from the resources that I have. I'm not getting any new updates. I've not gotten an update since around 7 p.m. yesterday. It is now 3:30 p.m. Sunday, uh, June 25th, and I've not gotten hardly any updates since that point. We don't have really any updates since that. Um, there are updates coming from news sources that I do not trust. A lot of mainstream news sources, places like CBS, ABC, MSNBC, CNN, Fox News. I don't trust any of those sources. And so I'm not relaying any information that they are providing because I just, I don't find it reliable. And the sort the, the sources that I have that I do, that I do believe are reliable are not providing any new updates. And I think that's because we're not getting any new updates. So that's where we stand now. So those are the facts. Everything that I've set up to this point is completely factual. I don't believe I've injected any opinion into that, any beliefs that I have, any hypotheses I have in that. Um, maybe I've asked a rhetorical question or two, but, but up until now, those are the facts. Now we're going to analyze this a little bit. So what does this mean? I got a, I, I posted on social media that I was going to do this episode and I got a couple questions from people. And one of them was like, who should we be rooting for? Now I kind of said something that was kind of tongue in cheek. And I said, you should, I, I, I put like X's next to, next to people. And I put, um, Russia X Wagner X Ukraine X. And then I put something along the lines of, um, using taxpayer money to fund our own infrastructure and contribute to the the betterment of the lives of our own civilians. And I put a check mark next to it. Um, but I did get, but I, it is a good question. Like, who should, who should we be rooting for? Uh, who are the good guys in this? Well, there's no good guys in this, in my opinion. But um, what does this mean? What, what does this mean for Russia? What does it mean for the war in Ukraine? What does this mean for, uh, you know, the Russian government? What's going on here? So, first of all, I just want to say one of two things are true. When it comes to the Wagner Rebellion... I, I believe that one of these things that I'm going to say are true. I don't know exactly which one, but I think one of them are. So either this demonstrates how desperate Putin is and how 
bad of a shape he's in concerning the war in Ukraine, or this was an orchestrated way for Putin to take direct control of Wagner from Prigozhin. Now, before anybody freaks out and says, I'm putting on a tinfoil hat, I have some evidence for that. Okay. So, to support the uh, demonstrating that Putin is desperate and how bad of a shape, and he's in really bad shape concerning the war in Ukraine, uh, first of all, U.S. intelligence was aware of this impending attack, meaning it's possible that the U.S. was in contact with Prigozhin. Now, the CIA is known for using independent groups as a basis for overthrowing governments is not very friendly with, so the U.S. might have persuaded Prigozhin to attack, to attack Putin and destabilize the Ukrainian front. Now, that, that's pretty unlikely, but it is possible, knowing our national history. If this is true, Putin could consider that a deliberate provocation from the West, and then we could have nuclear war, World War III, all that fun stuff. But if this was a truly independent event, and Prigozhin did act alone, Putin's hastiness to put the whole thing to bed, possibly making concessions without punishing Wagner, shows that the Russian situation in Ukraine is not going well, and that's what I believe is the most plausible. I mean, Russian morale has been really low for months, and the exorbitant amount of Western aid flooding into Ukraine is not helping matters. Prigozhin claimed that the Russian death toll is four times higher than official Russian estimates. And, I mean, there are videos emerging of Wagner, Wagner units pulling out of Russian cities, but people are chanting Wagner, Wagner in the streets, taking pictures with Wagner fighters, shaking their hands, everybody's all smiles. The Russian people here seem to be excited about what Wagner is doing, so what's happening in Russia? Obviously, the people here are not super fond of the current regime. They, they don't love what's happening in Russia right now. I mean, sounds wild, but this could just be a very natural progression of events when a populace becomes unhappy with their government and someone shows up to challenge that government. That might have been what Wagner did. But like, but, but what I said to support the idea that maybe Putin orchestrated this is that, I mean, several months ago, Putin announced that he anticipated integrating Wagner units into the Russian military. And... I think a lot of a lot of people in the Russian military weren't super fond of this idea because people in the Russian military they value honor they value uh, it's it's that it's, it's like a Slavic um, a Slavic tradition that if you're in the military you you perform with honor you or you stick to your unit you uh, I mean it is just like strong masculine type where people uh, they it's brotherhood and things like that and. Allowing a bunch of criminals into these ranks, I think, is something that the Russian military was not super fond of. So how could Putin possibly take control of this? Well, there's a rebellion. A couple planes get shot down. A couple roads get torn up. There's some nasty words on both sides. Some people die. And then suddenly Prigozhin disappears. And goes back to Belarus. And Putin is suddenly in control of Wagner. Now, it's not confirmed yet, and I cannot stress enough that that's not confirmed yet, but I'm putting some pieces together, and it seems like that's lining up just a little bit. This may have been an internal thing. Now, some people are saying that maybe this was a false flag attack, and maybe this could be basis for 
Putin pulling out of Ukraine altogether, but blaming it on something else, blaming it on an outside situation rather than rather than admitting that the Russian military wasn't good enough to best the Ukrainian military, which, you know, is that's something to be ashamed of, to be honest. Granted, there's a lot of Western aid going into Ukraine, but I mean, remember before the war, Putin said he could be in Kiev in like six weeks or something like that. or I think like eight days. I don't know, but he couldn't do it. Obviously, this is now we're, we're going to be heading up to uh, year two pretty uh, in like uh, six months or so, seven months ish. And uh, Putin's still not in Kiev. Okay, before I wrap it up here, I did put out a, uh, I did put out a call for questions about this, like I said before, um, on my social media, and I did get a couple questions. So, first question was, do you think that Putin will be scared enough to do something drastic? This crossed my mind a little bit in the early hours of the rebellion, but when it was quelled so quickly, I got more suspicious than anything. So, no, I don't think Putin's going to do anything drastic in this particular situation. Drastic meaning uh, drop a nuclear warhead somewhere. I don't think he's going to do that. <clears throat> um... Another question. It seems like this is resolving rather quickly. What do you think about the potential fallout? Well, I talked about that a little bit already, um, but I do think that either this shows that there is, there are, like, the morale in Russia is so low and uh, there are fractures forming in the Russian leadership between, uh, obviously, Prigozhin and Putin. Um, Prigozhin controls 50,000 soldiers on the Russian front lines, and obviously he's not fond of Putin. And so that shows that there is a huge disconnect between those two leaders, unless this was all a giant conspiracy, which granted it very well could be. Um, but as of right now, uh, I don't know. All I can really see is that because the Wagner units abandoned the front lines in Bakhmut, at least a lot of them did, I think the Ukrainian military is going to exploit that. And it remains to be seen if the Ukrainian military is going to retake Bakhmut in the vacuum that the departure of these Wagner units is going to cause. Uh, what is the relationship between Russia and Belarus? A lot of people say that Belarus is kind of an extension of Russia. I know that uh, Belarusian President Lukashenko is very close with Putin. And I do believe that I, I, I read somewhere that um, Russia is intending to annex Belarus in the next couple years. And that is plausible because uh, Russia is the state language of Belarus, where there is like a Belarusian language, but it is kind of, I, it's kind of being like stamped out right now. And um, Russia is being introduced. Russia is being taught in all the schools. Uh, Russians being taught in all the schools. Russian history is being taught. There's not a whole lot of Belarusian history being taught in schools. And um, I do think that Russia is planning to annex Belarus for now. And so for now, uh, I think that Belarus is kind of just like a puppet state of Russia. And Russia uses Belarus as kind of a buffer between it and the rest of NATO. Next question is, what international laws are attached to mercenaries, private military companies? So there is an international, it's called the International Code of Conduct for Private Security Service Providers. And what it is, is it was, it's been adopted by 54 separate countries. And it basically outlines what these private military corporations are allowed to participate in. Um, as far as I can, from, from what I've read, it basically says that these private military companies can operate when partnering with national governments for protection, but they cannot be used to uh, like initiate conflict between nations. I think they can't be used for pro high profile assassinations. They can't, uh, it was like pretty stand, pretty, pretty understanding thing. Really anything that like a security, like a security company isn't allowed to initiate a war with another country. That's basically what these 
what this code of conduct says. It's kind of ambiguous, um, but there is a code of conduct here, and I just think a lot of people don't obey that code of conduct. <laughs> uh, when is the podcast coming out? Today! Um, is your major still history? I'm guessing your papers are out of this world. Well, I don't like to toot my own horn, but my papers are pretty out of this world. I did receive an award for one of them. Um, but, uh, yes, my major is still history, but it is history and social studies education. I'm graduating as a, I will be a high school history teacher probably by fall of next year. And I'm very excited about that. Um, not, not a whole lot of questions I got from that, but I am very appreciative of the questions that I got. There was a question of who should we be rooting for, and I was a little bit clear about where I stand there. I do not think we should be rooting for Ukraine, Russia, or Wagner. I think that we should be rooting to use our taxpayer dollars to fund our, our own infrastructure in the United States and to contribute to the betterment of the lives of our own citizens, rather than send it off to a war that we should not be involved in. All right. So that's going to be it for the episode today. Um, that's what's going on with the situation between the Wagner Rebellion and Russia. I shared my uh, hypothesis, hypotheses about what's going on here. I think that I've been a little bit thorough. I probably missed some stuff, but um, yeah, that's what's going on right there in Russia. So I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. I will be, I have completely finished. Well, not okay. That's a, that's a freaking lie. I have almost completely finished my entire next podcast episode, the a scripted one, which I am very excited about. It's going to be very long. A lot of effort has gone into this, which is why I haven't posted a new episode in almost two uh, over over two months now. So I will be releasing that very soon. Thank you all for being patient with me, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Remember, if you enjoy the episode, head over to Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, drop a five-star review. Let me know that you enjoy what you're hearing. Tell your friends, tell your family. If you don't like the show, please tell your enemies, whatever, however you can get more ears listening to this podcast. I care deeply for you all. Thank you for your continued support, and I will see you with a new episode in the probably by the end of this week. Catch you later.